Hello and welcome to the Lost Harrow Podcast. Uh, this is your when it happens podcast uh, for a conversation about cinema, usually, um, and occasionally other forms of entertainment. Uh, but always joining me, as usual, is my co-host Eric Sayor. I think I hope I'm at least as funny on this podcast as De Niro's monologue at the end of King of Comedy because <laughs> <laughs> that shit was bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty abysmal. Yeesh. Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm of course your co-host Arlen Haro, and uh, if that if that wasn't a good enough clue, um, we're talking about two two films uh from martin scorsese um which are very often cited as inspiring the recent uh joker film coming out around when this episode will be releasing um yeah and they're just very similar movies in some ways and very different movies in others so yeah two movies that feel uh, extremely relevant today. Um, yeah. Just like you could take the character, bo- both main characters, and put them in today's world, and they would fit right in. It's mm-hmm. it feels so. I I I don't know how they felt at the time, but now it's just uh, it, it's just of the time, and they don't feel <laughs> like there have ever been more of the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, it it does sort of uh, there's a sort of chicken the egg question that you ask yourself: Did these, or at least in one case, did one of these characters create something that exists now, um, or was that person always existing? Or yeah, was he always there? <laughs> I guess in the background. Um, so yeah. And you, you say that, and that could apply to like both those movies. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think it's more. I think Taxi Driver definitely inspired some personalities. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. King of Comedy is it's a little bit less well known, but it, I I could easily see the other way around. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they're so, interesting. So we'll start with Taxi Driver, which is. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Scorsese's first big success. Uh, yeah. I think Mean Streets was well received, but mm-hmm. I think this is the one that like uh, mm-hmm. made him blow up. Uh, at least that's also the movie that made Paul Schrader, uh, that yeah. we've both talked uh, in length about on this show. Um, that's his first uh, writing credit, and I think. And uh, the movie that got him Oscar nominated uh, yeah. very early in his career and launched his career. Uh, so, it, it, so for both the the these great directors, it's a very important film, um, independent of of the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very it's a big it's a big moment for both of them. Martin had he had attention like a lot of the new Hollywood kids did they had people looking at what they were doing but yeah it it took a few films in for people to be like oh these these directors are great he's got these are um really talented kids (laughs) uh 
Coppola being the earliest to sort of hit, and then Marty with the taxi driver. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, and it's a it's a very <clears throat> yeah, like like you kind of said, it's sort of um, it, it feels very pulled from this time that we're in now um kind of um prophetic in some ways yeah um but i i would i would be very curious to travel back in time and uh get the feeling that people had about it at, at that moment because it's it's a very interesting sort of chunk of a moment in time um captured in amber um yeah in a very particular way um what it does manage to do um is capture a time and place very well it's like a, a story very set in that new york mm -hmm. uh, uh new york i'm uh, absolutely not i'm not super familiar with i think i think uh, the first time i watched this movie is like my first idea of that new york mm -hmm. and uh, it's the one that stayed like the the new york of the the mid 70s uh, a lot more grimy Mm -hmm. uh, having been to New York uh, a few times because it's pretty close uh, it's not a city I recognize <laughs> yeah yeah I've I've yeah. been there exactly once and it's it's a very different place yeah. now yeah um, this felt like it was yeah it felt like I was watching a different country or a different world or almost <laughs> like I was watching something set on Mars Yeah. Um, that's how <laughs> disconnected <laughs> it felt. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's uh, it's also the movie that launched, uh, not not launched, but an early De Niro movie in um, mm. as not an Italian <laughs> or or not as much of an Italian. I don't know. I think uh, I think my favorite De Niro is. Godfather 2 and that will always be I think he's incredible mm -hmm. in that and also he's just like incredibly attractive in that more than in any other of his movies I don't think ever, I, I don't think there's anywhere else that he's like hotter than as a Corleone but um, mm -hmm. yeah in, in, in this movie he's he has a very different charisma that's not it's, it's more based around intensity around like um his his feeling of confidence as an actor that kind of gives this character life that makes him believable that makes like every every scene you can't help but look away you can't look away from him because it's so he's so like weird and intense and believable that's as that weird guy i'm seeing him and i'm not seeing the Nero. i'm really seeing that character and even the same in king of comedy when we'll get to that he he's like i don't i just wanted late in his career I feel like he's often playing same-ish the Nero, or yeah or, yeah, yeah. Or, or, which happens a lot of two actors that have like hundreds of movies behind them mm. but uh in this movie and in, in both those movies he feels more like a character than it, it feels completely independent of the actor we have today which is very which is interesting to watch and seeing himself like 
lose himself in it give, gives that character even more um, believability and like um, makes him a lot more scary in a way because because it's a scary film like it's not like scary in the way that uh, it, it it feels so he feels so close to the edge the whole way through and it's so easy for him to just jump over it and become that i yeah. don't know it's a, yeah it's kind of like a <laughs> werewolf movie yeah <laughs> in a way yes like yes. <laughs> you're waiting for him to transform <laughs> um into this other thing um and his descent into that is just it's kind of fascinating but it like you said it is like ugh, it's like chilling uh, as it's as it happens um yeah and his just his his personality really or it's not even his personality but i think you said his energy like his just the way that he's able to sort of give life to this character really just makes it work um and it's not even just it's not even the big scenes like the the iconic stuff like you looking at me it's it's um it's that moment when he's in the taxi with uh, with Martin Scorsese, yeah, uh, who has two appearances in this movie, um, and just like the way he reacts to what Marty is saying when he's talking about his wife and about how he about how he's following her, um, and just all this stuff, and just like the way his face changes as he's taking in this situation, and it's sort of mapping on to his already sort of pre-existing outlook and affirming a lot of what he yeah. already believes um in a lot of very interesting ways um yeah yeah just that stuff is just very interesting and he he says barely anything in that scene but it's yeah it's the way that he pulls down the lever or puts it up um or yeah and the way that he yeah. like i think he like eats a sandwich <laughs> It's, it's um, all in his like the face ticks and him looking into the mirror and seeing him just from the back of his head in little bits in the mirror and his facial reactions that are almost like he feels completely surprised by what's happening but like also completely indifferent and just like manage to portray both those emotions at the same time and make them both feel like real it's really good yeah I, I completely forgot that it was Martin Scorsese, even though like the first time I watched it, I, I looked it up after and was surprised, and now I'm surprised again. Oh, uh, yeah. He's really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's very, he, he's very interesting. Yeah. Um, his, his energy is, uh, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot in this movie. Um, yeah, he's just... I am curious why he didn't act in other things. Maybe he just yeah. didn't. He, he maybe he thought he was too much, which I could uh, I could understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. So we didn't. We haven't really talked about the movie as a whole. So if you haven't seen <laughs> Taxi Driver, it's about a, a mm -hmm. like simply it's a about a a U.S. vet that um that kind of lives aimlessly be, uh, that has um, probably PTSD 
mm. chronic insomnia, the choice to uh, alleviate that by being a taxi driver at night um, because he can't sleep, he, he drives instead, and kind uh, of thinks he's falling in love with the uh, woman that he finds beautiful that works for a politician. I, I say thinking because, like, I I don't think he is actually in love he's just like obsessed uh because that's like yeah. the closest to love that he can have so he, mm. he he like makes them like which a lot of people with obsessions tend to do they kind of just lose themselves in it and mm. make it feel like uh, think it's something else um yeah and he loves for the way that you might love a yeah. jacket or... yeah yeah, yeah. Or, or a pair of boots. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, he's like kind of able to read her a bit, and that's like surprising. That surprises her, but it also he's uh, completely unable to be. Uh, I don't know. He, he he's he has trouble being mm, like uh, just around her and have a conversation and understand what like a regular another woman would want to do he takes her to a porn theater she's disgusted she doesn't want to see him again uh because then going to a porn theater is a thing he likes to do in his free time uh, yeah again and I, I feel like an example of a moment a thing that's just like him trying to feel something and yeah. like Porn him makes him feel something in the same way that like thinking about that woman he's obsessed with makes him feel something, and those things kind of becomes his anger as he's like radicalizing himself, watching the news, watching like uh, just hearing about politics. And it, it just like letting himself be like it, it's it happens so quickly in the film. He just like I feel like watches uh watches the thing and then he he hears that guy in the car and then he gets angry seeing uh black people on TV and then he wants to kill the politicians. It 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 feels so I don't know, maybe a bit too quick to make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, um, it does. It yeah, in some ways, I think it does. Um, I think, I think the way that the sort of uh, New York being a character in the movie, yeah, I think that's that's part of it. We're supposed to accept that just yeah, okay, just yeah. by living in New York, that that may have something to do with it. Um, yeah, I, the I, city I, yeah. kind of changes you. Um, that's that's how I've always interpreted yeah. that movie, at least. So. Yeah, no, also, yeah, there's this scene at the beginning when he drives the politician and he's like, Summer really needs to clean this city. It's disgusting. It, 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 it's, he's already kind of there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing I, I think that I, I just realized more on the secondary watch is that like uh, his relationship with the, the politician, the politician kind of gets him. Like mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, the city is disgusting, and the politician is like, yeah, something needs to be done, and he. It feels like they're on the same page, 
even though like uh, uh to a certain extent even though like the politician is the politician that has to do it a certain way he's like he has the same kind of disgusting opinion of like new york and new yorkers Mm-hmm. Which which I found really interesting in that after he did that's the guy he chose to kill. Maybe because it's this the only guy he knows. Yeah, it's it's very it's very curious the way that this sort of works out. That he he hyper focuses on individuals and yeah. places. He doesn't really think about the broader implications of what he's doing or sort of the system. I guess yeah. like he 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 sees it in his head as well if I just if I knock down this one this one brick that's going to cause everything to topple down um and the sort of systemic problems are something that just sort of they're outside of his view outside of his vision of the world and the way that he sees the world and you could say that that's partially a selfish thing um that he's really unable to see outside of the things that he can immediately touch and yeah. feel. Um, yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with sensory stuff is a big thing for this. Yeah. character, And it's a, it's connected to a lot of the big moments in the movie. There's a big focus on what these taxi drivers do just when they're hanging out. Um, and like, where they go to eat um, and their conversations with each other. Uh, And food in general is a big thing in the movie. Like it's throughout the movie. There are scenes, I I think every other scene or so you see somebody eating something. Yeah. um, uh, And it's just, it's just part of the sensory experience. And you're reminded of sensory input constantly. I think the, the porno theory theater is a great example of that. And the fact that there's so much time spent on him buying, yeah. <laughs> buying snacks yeah. at a porn theater. That's um, like, that's like his most humane moment. Like I've, you've seen, you've seen so many, we go to the theater a lot, both of us. Uh, mm-hmm. I usually buy always the same thing. So it takes me a couple of seconds, but you always end up behind the guy that takes like 10 minutes because he doesn't know what he wants. And he asks for things that aren't there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I don't know if you're the same. I mean, I always get like the pop, just big popcorn with butter. That's all I want. Give it to me so I can get to my screening. I always already late for. Uh, Yeah. Soda. <laughs> soda is just soda. And then sometimes pop. Yeah. But yes, like it's I know what I'm going for, I know what I want. I have my, you know, membership stuff ready to go or you know whatever my yeah. cars in my hand and then there's somebody who's like, "Do you have <laughs> X thing that that nobody has at a theater?" Do you have um, tropical skittles? Like we they haven't had those for 2 years, but do you have Do you have Mountain Dew pitch black? No nobody has that. Nobody anywhere. Pepsi doesn't have that. Uh, yeah. Um, also, my theater has those mix and match machines with like 160 options. Oh. And then there are people who go up to them asking for a specific flavor. It's like, there's a machine right there. Just go do it. It's great. Um, this has been Eric and... <laughs>
<laughs> Eric and Harlan uh... complain about people that go to the movies. <laughs> uh yes um but yeah travis is definitely he's definitely that person who asks questions every time they go to the movies and they're and they just don't know what they want somehow um but yeah i i kind of want to rewatch the movie again now but food plays a part in everything like isn't harvey keitel always like chomping on something or like chewing on something um, yeah, I, I seem to remember that. Yeah, there's the, there's the the specific scene where um, uh, where he takes Jodie Foster to to eat, and she's like having a butter sandwich or like a jelly sandwich at a diner, something like very <laughs> yeah. simple, and she's eating it like the kid she is, holding it with both hands when it's like too bigger than her face, and it mm-hmm. feels like a a, a jelly commercial <laughs> almost. There's like so much attention put to that. Like you see her slowly prepare it. (laughs) It's amazing. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh yeah. Um, And Jody, Jody Foster also. Uh I always forget that she's in this movie. Um, but she's great. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I the first this time I was expecting it, but the first time I watched this movie, I was like completely blown away by her performance. She's she's like uh, a scene stealer. She's so good. She feels. She reminds me in this movie of. Um, oh man, what's his name? The kid from the Four Hundred Blows. Like she has that. Like oh yeah, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm uh, way older than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, Andre, I want to. Yeah, yeah. I'm the French guy, and I don't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You have you have some built-in excuses there. Um, Ant- Antoine. Uh, yeah, an- yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Antoine. Um, Antoine Duanel. Duanel. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's very similar. Um, I was gonna go for a very recent uh, example and say Haley Steinfeld, but I like yours better because it's it's older and more cultured. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's Antoine the same is thing. A, uh, sorry, Antoine Doinel is the character. Jean Pierre Leo yes. is the actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, again, he she has that like uh, I'm so ahead of my years. I'm basically like an adult in a child's body thing. But also, she's like uh, very much physically a child, which is like even more visible because of like how she's dressed and all the makeup and like then you get the scene in the diner where she's like just dressed like a normal teenager and it's even more uh the transition is even more like hard mm-hmm. yeah and it's it, it's interesting the way that they they build that character very simply she talks about her parents the same way any teenager would talk about their parents and it just it just really like reinforces oh this is just a this is just a kid this is just like this is any kid in any yeah. high school in any part of any of either country canada or the us and it's just they just decided to go to new york um and yeah like yeah. It, it's very interesting uh, yeah. the way that that character is constructed yeah, no, he in in it's I, I I like a lot how this film like shows him being fixated on things and never he never lets go until he just can't like starts with the girl 
and then he uh, starts with uh, yes, uh, uh, Betsy, uh, Sybil Shepherd, uh, and then then she she doesn't like uh, she has the cops show him out of the place and everything, uh, and he's he becomes kind of aimless until he meets that guy and he just that's the switch. He changes. He becomes obsessed with killing the politician because that's like a thing he can do, and that's like feasible for him. It's an act that like would mean anything, and that's what he's searching for any meaning. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh. There, there's a scene where he kills the guy in the the kills the black guy in the in in the bodega. That oh, that's yeah. that. Yeah. Is almost forgettable, even though he just like kills a guy, mm-hmm. and kill kills a a black guy. Which like the movie has like a weird relationship with race that I'm not sure I kind of get, and I'm not sure Scorsese got it. Kind of, I don't know. It's it just made me kind yeah. of uncomfortable. Um, I don't know if you had the same. It's, it is interesting. Um, it's curious that like when he has a, when he has a, when he has a pimp character who's, who shows up um, as like a lead character, he picks Harvey Keitel and the guy who seemingly is above him is like an Italian guy. Um, like it's, it's weird that there's sort of this, juxtaposition throughout the movie um and it's very it is very othering um yeah and my sort of thinking about it is that i think we're dealing with an unreliable narrator um yeah. uh i think that explains a lot of it since we are from travis's yeah. point of view um because i don't i really don't think that Marty thinks about the world necessarily that way. He's definitely capturing a version yeah. of New York that he knows and that he yeah. sees. Um, yeah, no, the, the thing is, he grew up in New York. He grew up in those parts. Like, he probably grew up around uh, uh, many black guys. I'm not, mm-hmm. like, I'm not saying that's, like, what he believes. I'm just, like, right. Um, yeah. his portrayal maybe isn't the most, like, um, the smartest. I, I I yeah. I think like at this point in his career he'd do it through really differently, but it's Probably. like yeah, it it still feels weird watching it, and I kind of had to mention because it's like yeah. there's like every black character is there either to be or character or even not character like black person that's just like looked at or talked about is there to be killed or be angry at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, I think that that is more. That's meant to be Travis's perspective, but I see, yeah. I see the, I can see why somebody would yeah. be uncomfortable. Yeah. With it, that it's also weird bit. because, like, uh, the character specifically talks about at the beginning, like that he doesn't care. He'll he'll take black people anywhere. He'll go to Harlem or Brooklyn. He doesn't he he has no trouble with it. He's even he isn't even scared. So like 
it's probably yeah, the, it's, yeah. It's you interesting get, because yeah. I read that line completely differently. Like yeah. that's a that's a thing white guys say, but they don't okay. mean. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh. But yeah. Uh, sorry. What were you, okay. what were you saying? <laughs> no. 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 I, I. 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 Yeah. No. That's interesting. Yeah. No, I know. I. I yeah, maybe you're you're actually right. That's that's way way more interesting. That hmm. um, I'm not sure. Yeah. It, 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 like it definitely made me feel uncomfortable. I'm not saying it's bad per se, mm. but it's like it's weird to have that scene where Tersuzi is like, "I'm gonna kill that that guy." Um, because he's sleeping with my. But no, I'm not gonna kill that guy. I'm gonna kill my wife because she's sleeping with a black guy. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I'm glad you're bringing this stuff up because I never would have yeah. thought of it from that way. Um, yeah, it's it is interesting the way that that sort of keeps coming up, and I yeah. I do wonder if he's. I, I wonder if there is like a larger thing trying to be said there. If the movie is, if if it is sort of about sort of white versus black, if that's like part of yeah. what's going on if it's sort of a a comment on the 70s and the 60s and sort of how those things sort of just they're not really dealt with even though yeah maybe scorsese might have felt like people were trying to act like it was um i think that that could be part of it because the way that i read that the scene with the guy who um robs the shop owner is the way the shop owner turns on a dime after he's already dead. Like that is, that is this person who has no, yeah, no regard for the people that he serves in terms of treating them like human beings. Um, just being able to do whatever he wants without having to worry about that person not coming back because they're already dead. So he can just punish them and their body and all that. Um, and it's sort of just like it's I think it's about like seething rage in general. Yeah. It's just sort of just this undercurrent of there are two segments of the population living next to each other who want to or well, one of them wants to act like they are more OK with the other than they really are. Yeah. Um, I feel like that that might be there. It might <laughs> yeah. it might not be there at um, yeah, uh, so I, th- I think yeah. it's more like if I had to 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 like try to get into <laughs> Scorsese's head, Scorsese's head, which uh, probably say what I feel like he's trying to do is more like it's like it's a movie about post-war and uh, meaninglessness following mm-hmm. Vietnam and uh, that meaninglessness driving young white people into radicalization and radicalization mm-hmm. used to mean and still means uh racism specifically racism yeah. against uh, black people at the time now it's as much black people as it is arabs as it is latinos and yeah. it's it's and it's so easy to go to it and it does just like and he doesn't even need to be pushed to just get there. He just, yeah, it's mm-hmm. like there's the guy in the car, and then he's pissed at the TV, and then he kills a black guy in a convenience store, and the killing the black guy is probably the part that makes the least sense to me. 
uh, in yeah. that depiction, I feel like it would have made I'd have put that scene with a guy and just like him robbing the convenience store, but not not having a gun, like taking the money and running away, and then him shooting him, and that's like anger. That's like there's there's like a certain righteousness in like that scene because the guy is pointing a gun in the convenience store he goes to all the time and he defends his he defends the guy and there's like a right-wing fantasy yeah 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 yeah. it's 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 showing the time kind of and i feel like like all i feel like the 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 owner of the the grocery store uh which also an Italian guy would uh, in the seventies would probably react that way and just like hide the mm-hmm. body body and be done with it, and I I think that makes sense, but I I just don't think it makes sense in the context of like the radicalization of the character and how it's portrayed throughout the rest of the film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. You so. know, l- l- let's let's move on to like a. Uh, a scene we skipped, but uh, one of I think my favorite scene of the movie is the scene with the guy with the guns, and oh yes, <laughs> yes that that's guy. Like, that's that's that guy is like so confident, showing the weapon again. A very like tactile scene. Um, uh, it's all about like touching the guns and showing them off, and just like the tactile sensation of holding it them and him being incredibly good at convincing um the Nero to buy all his guns. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty good. Um Easy Andy is the I guess the character's yeah. name which, <laughs> that's a great name. <laughs> um but yeah he's he's fascinating. Um and the way his energy bounces against um Travis Bickle's energy is very uh it's it's fun to watch so they kind of got like a a weird twisted buddy cop thing going on <laughs> if they were put into their own movie um yeah he's just uh he just bring he brings something that really isn't there in the rest of the movie um as far as a character there are characters who sort of have some energy to him but he is very fast talking and just uh yeah just very yeah. <laughs> very uh magnetic um he feels like he's yeah. come we we say that a lot but it feels like a character from another movie and i really yes. like that he doesn't feel like a human being he feels just like a movie character uh and mm-hmm. just like in the middle of the movie it just gives us some levity i really like how that scene ends and he's like okay i'm gonna buy the gun and he's like and then he he tries to sell like drugs or uh, other stuff he's like oh, do you want cocaine i can get you meth and like and he he, he realizes he, he's not gonna buy anything and he becomes more and more desperate of trying to sell his stuff <laughs> because even if he had all that confidence he kind of become desperate in the end it's very I, I i really like that part yeah also i just i just i need to say this uh martin made a documentary about that guy in 78 oh. so i need to track that down now because that's great um about easy yeah. andy being a real person uh american boy the profile of stephen prince the guy who he's who played him so yeah. i'm assuming okay. there's some sort of reality <laughs> type thing going on where reality is probably closer to the 
to yeah. the film than we assumed. Hmm. Um, fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. What's the other thing? Um, yeah. We uh, the other taxi drivers are interesting. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that. That's something. Um, the Peter Boyle, I think, is probably one of the better ones. Um, and but yeah, they're all just very interesting. Uh, and I guess with the sort of topic that we were <laughs> just talking yeah. about, uh, he doesn't really uh, travels. Doesn't really interact with the the other black taxi driver uh, that is there. Who's I think really. He's the only character that talks to Travis that Travis doesn't have like a super bad reaction to. Yeah. Um, but he's like silent whenever he talks to him and really doesn't address him <laughs> like he's another yeah. human being. Um, so it's, it's, and that's a good detail too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I really like their interaction. I like how they're all talking about sex. <laughs> <laughs> Because because what else are you gonna talk about? And I feel that's like a, a, a like half these stories aren't true, but they're like either all play the game of listening to each other tell them, and he just mm -hmm. doesn't say anything, like or he doesn't share, which mm -hmm. uh, also really makes sense and it gives that character like a even with the dudes he's closest to, like not closest to, but uh, talks to the most regularly, he doesn't talk. And and that's like uh, also, um, I feel like kind of him continuing to ball it up and kind of write stuff in his diary. That's how he lets stuff out. Uh, mm -hmm. We get the narration, but it's still, but it, he, he never shared that with anyone. Yeah. Yeah, he just doesn't. He's not forthcoming, um, yeah. which is part of. That's part of how his radicalization yeah. goes so fast. I think the fact that he yeah. just can't, he yeah. can't share with anybody, and he yeah. feels like he can't. There's the the card he writes to his parents. That's like, uh, just like him saying he's happy. He's met a girl, and it's like a card that says like happy scouts or whatever. It's, it's very. Mm -hmm very like a uh, childlike uh and it, it feels like closer that's like the the thing that made me think the most about like specifically him probably going to war when he was 18 and coming back and being kind of having that same relationship he had as a teen with his parents now mm -hmm. and him being kind of childlike in his way of talking to them um uh, I, uh, it's it, another like small detail that just really works. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It informs his character yeah. in a in an interesting way. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that, I think the last thirty minutes are like the most um, quotable kind of mm -hmm. what this movie is remembered for: the relationship with uh, Jodie Foster's. Uh, Easy uh, Iris, easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Easy Iris and Sport and De Niro's haircut. <laughs> yeah, which is <laughs> pretty great, to be honest. Um, yeah, just his his whole outfit, and he 
he really turns the volume up yeah. on the character in an interesting way. Um, you sort of see like hints of it when he's talking to that Secret Service agent, which is which is the moment where the movie really like turns for me because yeah, he easily could have just like actually <laughs> taken his advice and called the number, given his real name, and gotten yeah. a Secret Service job. Um, no. <laughs> No, I I think the 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 no he he gets it like you yeah. I, I, I don't for me he's, he like realizes the the secret service guy is taking his information to uh, uh right to to arrest him for or at least investigate him sure sure yeah uh, so yeah. that's why he like gives a, a six digit uh zip code and stuff and he's mm-hmm. like oh yes I I mixed it up. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's interesting that he's like that quick on his feet at that particular right. moment. Even though he's like when he's talking, it's like super awkward and like immediately suspicious, but also he like oh yeah, he, he gets immediately what the guy is trying to do. Probably that's just the paranoia that's there, like that's yeah. the, that's the smartest part of him at that moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 interesting the way that his he's just such a he's such a wound character. Um yeah, it's uh yeah. 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 Uh yeah. Uh, then you get him trying to convince like he he meets Iris again. She doesn't want she, he anything to do with him or at least she's like he pays to see her and he's like just why don't you leave? Uh, I can take you to a commune. Uh, they go for breakfast. You have that scene where they they talk, and then, then that's like the scene where yeah, like you just really like her character and her performance, and like Jodie Foster immediately becomes like a, a household name just because of I think those couple of scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh. And then you get her going back and like the disgusting skin crawling moment with Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Which makes the end almost, it makes, which makes the end feel like a kind of a good, uh, as like, yeah. It feels good to watch him be killed. You're rooting and for Travis it. more in that se- sequence yeah. than in any other point in yeah. the movie, I would say. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. You're definitely and more when, on his side. I would, yeah. I would definitely say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you like, when you believe they they all killed each other, you before the epilogue, which feels. Both time I watch this movie, I I think it feels completely unneeded. I feel that movie works way better if he dies. Yeah, I, I don't think it needs the happy ending. Um, or here's my sort of, I guess my my in between would be we cut from him dying, yeah, just to him picking up um, Sybil uh, Shepherd. That's what I would do. None of this sort of other stuff because the Sybil. The way the Civil Shepherd scene plays out, that could easily be like uh, heaven or hell or some yeah. sort of existential 
trapped that he's he's in you know it, in the last moments of his life like that doesn't need to be reality yeah. um yeah it's the ending of first reform <laughs> yeah yeah it is it, yeah it, it very much is so i think you don't need the stuff where we really get you know Jodie Foster going back to her parents and making up and all of that. And the, but I do think the Civil Shepherd part is yeah. very important, and I would keep that. But everything yeah. else can go. Um, yeah. I don't know. It feels like the. It's like the character grew out of his radicalization. It's it's so weird as like an ending, and it's. I don't yeah. know, and it, it, it's weird because in the context of uh, of like Scorsese's work after that, which are a lot of like uh, rise and fall stories, uh, mm-hmm. all his gangster stories, Wolf of Wall Street, all that. There's like it's always about the rise and the fall, and both the movies, and I think maybe that's a good time to transition to King of Comedy, but it's like both those movies end with their main character on top and i mm. I, I feel like in king of comedy is curious a criticism of like yeah. that time of like how an, an idiot can be obsessed and can succeed and what does success mean in the end what's like what's anything worth <laughs> in, in this mm-hmm. world what's anything worth in show business and if that's like a metric for success like and that's the metric for human interest um but in um in taxi driver it's a bit more ambivalent it's like did he look is he a hero because he killed a pimp like right uh i don't it, like <laughs> probably not He's held a hero because that's like what I don't know. Like, because if that's a cop, you know, that's a hero. If a cop kills a pimp and frees a mm-hmm. 15 year old girl, that's a hero. And uh, yeah. we won't get into that, but it's like, I don't know. It's it's just a weird morality that I'm just unsure of and that just doesn't super work for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm. I'm unsure if the film is trying to, because I and I need to look into the ending. I probably should have researched this beforehand. Yeah. I don't think that that was the original ending. I'm oh. pretty sure the original ending was him dying. Um, I really don't. I I, I should have looked yeah. into this. This it feels like a studio thing where yeah. Columbia was like, "You need to change the ending. We like everything about it, but the ending needs to be different." Or, um, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it doesn't fit. <laughs> yeah, because even that scene with Sybil with at the end where he's like, he's been in the newspaper, she knows about him, she knows what happens, she's mm-hmm. interested in him now, and he's like better than her, and that makes no sense because he's, he's definitely not better than her. Right. That's why I, I, even in as it is now, I don't think that that scene is reality. Yeah. I really don't. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel like yeah. reality. It feels yeah. very much like a fantasy or a dream. <sighs> yeah. Um, I, I wish, so, yeah, I wish yeah. that scene was more dreamlike, maybe in the in the same, like, vibe and lighting with the opening credits, which I really like. I feel mm-hmm. like that's what the scene that we got and the letter feels, you don't even need the letter. You need uh, maybe, like, uh, uh, 
you don't need like them to read the whole letter while he's in the hospital. Maybe you have the letter in his car and like a newspaper clipping on his dashboard because he's proud and that's it. You know, that's like you have those references, but it's all feels dream like really that's how that's a better ending probably for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's not try to rewrite an ending. Um, let's move on to anything else before we move on. Uh, no, I, I think uh, I think yeah. we basically covered it. So let's yeah. go to the King of Comedy, um, which is uh, it's it's gotten a it's gotten a reappraisal, and a lot of people yeah. know it now. But um, it wasn't the sort of instant thing yeah. uh, that a uh, taxi driver was it didn't have that sort of immediate impact um but it's gotten a lot of re-examination and people giving it praise now with time um and it's a it's a very very similar movie in a lot of ways um and in a lot of ways it's very different and um and i, I think those differences are just uh they're they're part of why I think this movie sort of has gotten that reappraisal because it doesn't, um, it doesn't feel like Scorsese just doing the same thing again, but it has that same, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, as sim- it has a similar like pulse, I guess, running through it, yeah. um, for part of it at least. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, mm. uh, yeah, curious film. This this is this is it, this movie. The story of this movie is kind of interesting. It's like um, De Niro is the one that really wanted to make it. Uh, he's the one that bought had the script. He bought the script for him to star in it, and he uh, Michael Cimino was supposed to direct, um, uh, but gave up. And like uh, De Niro was really pushing Scorsese to do it. Scorsese was at the start in his career where he was like uh, kind of aimless after Raging Bull and kind of wanted to do only documentaries from this point on um, and like made this movie and just like got started like what he called a new age of his career like got the desire again to make movies um, which which kind of I completely understand because it's like a a lot of what's in the character kind of feel like Scorsese in parts or like maybe Mm. how Scorsese saw himself to an extent at that time in his career. Because we talked a bit about the new Hollywood stuff in the beginning, but Scorsese was like a uh, a director that was obsessed with movies that had like mm-hmm. an encyclopedic knowledge of movies and was kind of aiming for that and felt like he wasn't getting there and still which is a feeling that's so understandable yeah yeah and it, yeah and this movie yeah. works to that except um mm-hmm. honestly I hated watching this movie. I texted you <laughs> while watching it. I I can't stand this kind of movie. Like the first hour or so is yeah. l- skin crawling. Like not skin crawling, but I wanted to crawl out of yes. I wanted to crawl out of my skin. I wanted to 
just like stop and die. <laughs> I had to yeah. skip through parts. Like uh, usually when I watch a film like this, I think the last one was uh, eighth grade. I just stop. I can't. Right. Watch them while doing something else. In this case, I was doing the dishes and watching this movie in the background because <laughs> I just couldn't. And like, but after the country house, it's it gets way less mm-hmm. cringy and way more watchable. And uh, there's still like a few moments, uh, especially with, um, uh, especially with uh, Rita. Yeah. Uh, e- with the stalker yes. woman. Yeah, yeah, uh, played by a. Uh, no, not Daya... Rita. D- Diana. Oh, uh, no, no, oh, no, we're talking about like Mar- the Masha. Yeah, Masha. Masha. Um, yeah, we're talking about the the Masha kind of mm-hmm. fake date, which is hard to watch, also, but it's like not yeah. as bad as everything he's in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I have I have a lot of the same problems with the with the first section of this movie. It just goes on for a really long time, Um, and it doesn't it doesn't have like this sort of um, urgency that I think this movie needs. Um, And I, I think part of it is that Rupert. Uh, Rupert Pupkin is not he's not an interesting character for as much time as they spend on him and I don't really think he should be the lead character in this movie um if anybody should be I actually would say it should should be Jerry yeah um I think this movie would be better if it was Jerry's perspective Rupert is sort of like the <laughs> the big bad of the movie <laughs> Yeah. Uh, to put it, and then I think it, filling it out with other, other like crazy fans would be a much more interesting film. Um, you know, like that woman on the street who's like, "You got to talk to my son," and then he's like, "I'm sorry, I can't. I hope you get cancer. You deserve nothing less than cancer." Um, like people like that yeah. woman, um, they should be far more present throughout the movie. Um so yeah, like I just I just have problems with the way this movie is like built. Um because yeah. that first yeah. section doesn't support the second half, which is far more interesting and it has this energy to it. Um and Jerry Lewis is giving a really good performance, um, which was yeah. interesting to me first watching it. I don't know. If Jerry Lewis translated to French Canada, no. uh, or if he was a thing there, but in America he's a guy who was like a comedy icon in the '60s, who did telethons in the '70s and '80s, and he completely skipped over my generation in America. Yeah. Um, so like I knew him as a thing that used to be, but and sort of a you know a wacky character, you know, sort of the. Um, the Jim Carrey of the sixties. Um, but like, I didn't think he had this like range <laughs> and this like yeah. anger that this character has. Um, uh, and the ability yeah. to tell a lot was just like a look. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, 
he has this like weird like um in in film circles his this weird also repetition that he was uh, really beloved by the French new wave cahier de cinema mm. scene uh for his movies uh which but also like I knew of him kind of in the same way you described but probably not as relevant culturally culturally as it was for you but it's like mm-hmm. I knew who he was right, like right. I, I could probably couldn't have recognized him uh but I when I I saw Jerry Lewis I'm like okay I know that name I kind of know what he is um yeah so I I, I got that I, I don't think I closely agree with you with like the total structure of this movie because I don't think the ending works if that's not like I don't think this yeah. movie works if it's not like the center the way that it is. I feel like I wish the first hour was like 35 minutes yeah. instead of an hour. I feel like that sure. I wish I wish that movie was like 80 80 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like, agree. yeah. Or like 90 minutes, you know, just a bit tighter, a bit yeah. less of that. Mm-hmm. Um a lot leaner, yeah. much, much yeah. leaner. Yeah, 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 leaner. Um, yeah. yeah. So, do you want to talk a bit about what happens in the movie? We can through it. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, it follows a lot of Rupert, which I, I think just, I think that's where we agree. It's too much Rupert, maybe, just overall. Like, it's a lot of yeah. spending time with him. Um, it's broken up by these dream sequences, sequences which are interesting, but they're painful at times yeah. um, because of the self. Is it flagellation? I, I I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, the sort of congratulatory, self congratulatoriness that he sort of yeah. puts so, upon himself. Self flagellation is like the opposite. It's like right hating yourself. So here's the opposite of that. Here's the opposite <laughs> of that. Yeah. Just like, oh, I am the best. <laughs> I am just great. Um, he kind of has, he has the opposite of imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's exactly what he is. Like he is, he is the person who should have imposter syndrome, so he can realize what's wrong with his yeah. life. Um, because yeah, he just doesn't get it. <laughs> he just doesn't. He doesn't see um what's going on um and it was really hard for me because i'm somebody who has a very long and uh understanding of comedy and the world of comedy and stand-up and how that world works and the fact that he's like trying to get a a spot on a late night show without having even done like a second of stand-up comedy like just that factor alone sort of bothers me about the character on top of everything else um and the ways that he just sort of like tries to move around these things that people say to him um it's just it becomes annoying he's not really funny um he's more he's kind of (laughs) scary yeah in the way that he can just like bounce back against the things that people say to him which are obvious that are like yeah. true <laughs> criticisms like cutting at his core and he's just like he just like bounces back up <laughs> uh, and he responds with things that are like 
wait, what? What did you just say out loud? <laughs> it's just, it's fascinating. Um, some of the, some of the things that he gets away with saying to other people. Um, and I think some of it works partially because of um, De Niro's performance. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's his like yeah. best performance maybe ever. Uh, oh. I, I think he's incredible in this movie. I think he's just like, again, he feels like that character. He doesn't feel like De Niro. Um, yeah. Uh, the thing I, I found weird watching this movie when just like didn't help, uh, I think is like it's again a movie that's about a character that lets himself get into obsession and loses himself to it. Mm-hmm. And it's, I feel like this time, uh, in, in Taxi Driver, you have a movie that's like kind of about PTSD and the effects of war and that's like kind of there's a cause and a cause and a generation that feels like it's talking about uh, mm. in this case it feels like the character obviously has a mental illness and yeah. I'm not sure how if it's like played for laugh or like it's just so it just makes it way way more uncomfortable to a way I just can't look at it maybe it's the point but sometimes it feels like when he's talking to the cardboard cutouts and you see the extent of his delusions and it's like it's supposed to be maybe kind of funny in a certain way, I don't know. This movie is talking about as a black comedy, but it's never funny. At, yeah. Or yeah. if it's if when there's a, it's supposed to be funny, it feels way more sad. Like it, it's hard yeah. to me to 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 see it. Uh, I, I don't know if it, like in the eighties, some of the the stuff learning that just jokes and we're like kind of fun. But now it's just feels, but now to me, the whole way through, it's just felt like sad and hard to watch. And even, even the scene with uh, uh, Masha, who's as obsessed and as like she's, she talks about her, uh, her psychologist, she talks about their meds, <laughs> she talks about her obsessions, like, and it's, it's, played out as a kind of joke for uh, Jerry to escape and it's it's just very mm. very weird I, I, I yeah yeah like it's yeah. too much it doesn't it didn't need to go that far into it it would have worked better if it had distanced uh, itself from that because it's like it feels like I don't know, it's it's hard. I, I tried to look into reading about its relationship to mental illness from people with more knowledge and experience than me because I I, I kind of but to me it just feels I, I didn't find anything in the last couple of years, so uh but I it, it just made me really uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I have similar 
feelings. I, I don't think I ever really found myself laughing other than when we get to sort of um some of the, like the studio politics stuff oh, yeah. like yeah, yeah. some that, of that was funny <laughs> yeah no that, that that's true like when the lawyer is like yeah i'm going to sue you i don't care like that 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 and <laughs> yeah. you're like yo who cares about 10 minutes of televisions for a man's life like who don't care and he, the the cop is like don't negotiate with terrorists and mm-hmm. <laughs> like that that part, yeah, that part was I agree, but everything around like uh, Pumpkin just, yeah I, I, yeah, I had to skip the whole country house scene, like all mm-hmm. of it. Like I went through really fast. I read what happened on Wikipedia, and that was enough for me. I just couldn't go mm. get through it. Like I, I, at some point, I just like I couldn't. And then you get hard cut. They're in the car. They're trying to kidnap him. It's it's like a really weird buddy cop. And it's a lot more. And when the, the two of them interact in the, that spot and in the places after, it feels like a way more interesting film uh, than, than, than it was the whole way before. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, this is this is just this is not as easy of a movie to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I do want to shout out uh, Diana Nay Abbott. Uh, she yeah. was the she was the theater concessions girl in Taxi Driver. Um, yeah. And she's she's the high school girl that I assume Rupert just had a crush on. Yeah. Um. And uh, I really like her character in this movie, and I get the feeling that uh, Zazie Beats may be playing a similar thing. Uh, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Uh, there's like kind of a similar physical presence to those actresses. Um, And sorry, I had to step away for a second. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. She's. It seems like they're doing a similar thing. I don't yeah, yeah. Know. yeah I was. Tra- I was saying like, yeah, yeah. And if it, it feels they have kind of a similar physical presence. Um, uh, so, so okay. The the another thing I had the question. The one thing I had a question for you actually was that mm. that monologue he does at the end, uh, when he so did they, they did it, they kidnap him, he gets his 10 minutes on the show, he's introduced by that other guy, I don't mm. know. Um, and yeah, Tony he, Randall, and yeah, and he gets like many laughs. But that's mm. that's not supposed to. Is that supposed to be funny? Is that like eighties comedy? <laughs> is that like I? I don't watch a lot of stand up comedy because I don't super like no, it. It's, so it's, I'm just like. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a fair question. Um, this is this is just my very personal opinion on comedy and just those were okay to middling premises with yeah. like 
delivery from the 50s. <laughs> okay. Uh, like very outdated delivery, um, which was smart on the writer's part because it could have been, it could have been like great premises with outdated delivery or great delivery with very outdated, very bad premises. But it was sort of that fine line um where you know you can see some funny in there so that when she was so when uh jerry's assistant earlier in the movie is like there's some good stuff in there but you need to work on it she's not completely lying yeah Uh, (laughs) she's not totally like trying to just blow him off and get him out of there uh if he had the ability to actually step into a comedy club and actually do the work and put in the 10 years that stand-up comedians need uh, to actually really get anywhere. Um, he might be able to become a comedian, but as we learn about the character, he does not have that ability to actually put in mm. that effort. Um, so yeah, he, I could see him being funny, but the fact that he succeeds at the end, it's sort of a, I think it's a criticism of like the public and the fact that he was just a guy before and the fact that he made it on TV almost wins him, um, the public just by the fact that he was one of them. Uh, he sort of gets by without having to put in all the effort and put in all the work. Um, which is in the same way that taxi driver was sort of ahead of its time. And (laughs) of this moment and that moment, that is like, that's very perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is very this exact moment we are in right now. Um, because there's a lot of that. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. A lot of that around um, where people are just skipping over it, uh, skipping over really having to put in the work and uh, getting to release albums and put out you know, get onto pop radio uh, because they had a meme blow up around them. Um, So yeah, like it's, it's, it felt like it was sort of like, Oh, well it would be stupid and really bad if this happened, but kind of funny. And it's not so funny now, really. (laughs) Um, It's just really sad. Like it is now. Um, It's a movie about two, two pranksters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is they could recreate. They could remake this oh, movie yeah, with yeah. Logan Paul very easily, very easily. Um, only he wouldn't be acting. It, yeah, but they're remaking it with Joker. So who knows what that's gonna be? <laughs> yeah. uh, that feels like a good. That feels like a good uh, transition because I really, I don't have much else to say other than yeah. We do sort of. Yeah. We kind of have compared the two movies a little yes. bit. Um. Yeah, but for, I mean, for me, yeah. like the ending of this movie works like so well. It's like about like mm-hmm. how just like anyone can do it. It's like it's it's a complete criticism of everything we are as a society mm-hmm. and how what we care about. It's like like celebrity makes celebrity and. Who gives a fuck if like that not funny guy becomes like they introduce him at the end as the king of comedy because he said he was a king of comedy because he kidnapped a guy and released mm-hmm. a book and 
like this yeah. movie it, it's so good it's it, it, like that just like how it ends um mm -hmm. very very different from uh taxi driver it's like very clear what it's doing like the ending works super mm -hmm. well for because mm -hmm. of that um by comparison a like let's see taxi driver weird ending but like a lot of more interesting stuff in its build-up uh the, the build-up to for king of comedy feels like i don't know just a, yeah. a really weird portrayal of mental illness that i'm not comfortable with and i i'm very scared about what choker is gonna do with that because i have zero confidence in um the director of the hangover <laughs> to do that <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah yeah fair um yeah yeah i i don't really have much else that yeah. i really yeah, yeah about those two movies in particular that yeah like the ending is just far more well thought out in one that's why i i need to look into it more but i really do think i think taxi driver was some sort of change something happened there also Paul Schrader has sent, said that he would change the ending if he could. He doesn't yeah. like the ending of that movie. Right. Um, he also, I think we brought this up last year with First Reformed, that First Reformed was his sort of meta talk back at his younger self and him correcting yeah. his, you know, things that he put into the world yeah. um, and ideas that he put into the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, and on the Joker thing, um, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of worried about it too, partially because I have like a really bad vibe about that movie. Removed yeah. from anything else, removed from any of the worries about the movie, and yeah, can we already just... threatening to do bad things at the premiere? Can, can we and... talk a bit about like how people are kind of talking about this movie, this fucking remake of Come King of comedy with the joker the the clown villain from batman as it's like a is it if it's a dangerous thing that's gonna risk lives it's mm -hmm. it, it radicalized people because it, like as yeah. if like the dark knight isn't quoted by every fucking alt-right asshole in the world like there's no like right. more there's no like fucking movie with weirder politics about fucking the joker than the dark knight so i don't know and right. <laughs> like other people... than pbs maybe um because yeah oh, uh yeah, yeah, yeah. True. um <laughs> like the dark knight um, is a movie yes. that like justifies the surveillance state if like batman can do it it's, it's so weird to just like think about yeah like what the joker is gonna be i'm very yeah, curious. i mean honestly i'm super curious not but, to turn this into the Dark Knight, but that was a commentary on George Bush. But yes, that yeah, was that yeah, is yeah. that is a good point. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's it's really weird. Like the reaction that we're we're having to the movie before having seen yeah. it. That's yeah. strange to me. Like, and I'll be specific because there are cases where it's like, okay, I get it. Uh, the theater. Uh, from the Aurora shooting. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. That makes complete sense. And I'm surprised it took so long for that story to come out. Like that should have been yeah. 
almost like when they were shooting before they even <laughs> started production. Like that's that's just agree that we're not gonna do that. Like sure, makes sense. You know, there's a reason we don't. I I could say that guy's name, but I refuse to because I would be uh, giving him attention. Um, yeah. uh, fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, like there's there's lots of like stuff around that, and I can yeah. see some of like the. I can see people sort of not wanting to go see it or like saying, yeah, I'm not going to watch that because I, I, I live that. And that's, that's a reasonable thing to say. Yeah. Um, but there's this other, like you said, this sort of, ex- this sort of thing where they're giving the movie more power by yeah. assuming all the bad things that will happen because of it. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot like, you know, making a movie about nuclear war and then somebody saying, you're just going to, cause nuclear yeah. war now by, by yeah. making a movie about nuclear war um tomorrowland um yeah. <laughs> uh yeah yeah, uh, yeah. i'm yeah no i i think it's like it's probably not gonna be bad it's just gonna be a movie i don't know it's like yeah. people are obsessed with this movie in a way that just like and it it has made people develop brainworms in a way that I haven't seen a movie do. And like people from like like people that should be people that think they come from the right place of like criticizing it to an extent that makes no sense. Like mm-hmm. I'm not talking about film critic. I'm talking about the guy that gets out of the movie and like this movie is going to be dangerous for young men everywhere. As if like right. YouTube isn't like doesn't exist, you know? It's like it's... right, like yeah, like the problem with the whole problem with that argument is like if you leave YouTube on as yeah. you as you fall asleep, you will yeah. wake up in the morning to the worst things in your history, yeah. like all kinds of weird. Like you can start with I don't know clips of the Teletubbies. <laughs> Yeah. Or Sesame Street, like I don't know, maybe I want to watch Sesame Street from Brazil because yeah. I want to learn, you know, another language, and then I will wake up to find like weird Brazilian alt right propaganda because they have that there because their recently elected president is their Trump. Look into it. This is not a, a strictly politics show, so I will not go into the whole thing about it. But look All it up right. if you are interested and if you want to know that the world is burning um (laughs) but uh yeah like there's a lot of stuff going on and the idea that this one movie (laughs) is going to do what the entire rest of media (laughs) has been doing for a long long time like timothy mcveigh blew up the kansas city building because of a book not even a book a pamphlet that uh old old uh not even white supremacists necessarily uh i can't remember what they're called but very very hardcore gun activists in america they put out this book called the timothy diaries i want to say um or maybe it's not the timothy diaries and it's a book that basically teaches you if you read it how to lead a rebellion against the government um, and it talks all about how the government will use uh, races that are not white to 
suppress uh, gun owners and true Americans, as it says. Um, and that's been around for a very long time. And people just have copies of it. People have stockpiled it. Timothy McVeigh was handing out that booklet uh, at the Branch Davidian compound uh, while that debacle was going on, um, telling people about how the DEA was coming for American guns. Um, and because that uh, that uh, situation ended with the Branch Davidians all dying in a fire, he got a lot of people to join his side. Um, so yeah, like there's a reason that in the 90s there was a real worry about white supremacy in America. Um, and it's really weird that it just sort of went away for 10 years, or at least that's how the media portrayed it. Um, okay, <laughs> this is a very yeah. big... Yeah, uh, yeah. this is a very good discussion. So yeah, don't be scared about the joke. Maybe don't watch it if right. you're not interested. Uh, we made this episode because I was, it, it, I'm, I was really curious of seeing the talking about the movies that feel like they're a direct inspiration to it and how it's gonna mm-hmm. stack up to them. Like I can't see the Joker being as good as uh, either of those movies, but also I probably wouldn't put either of those movies in my favorite Scorsese either yeah yeah so uh, yeah. um which feels like a good place to end i, I will do more scorsese in the future um maybe his religious films i really want to talk about silence at some point i just that's a mm-hmm. movie that's uh just incredible uh there was a new scorsese film coming out also this fall so that's uh i think we're both looking forward to that one um yeah probably yeah, way more than joker <laughs> yeah much more than much more than joker i would yeah. say um yeah it's, i mean it's, yeah yeah it's gonna be I, th- I think it's like three and a half hours long or something and i'm so excited <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm into it i'm i'm gonna try and find a theater that's showing yeah. it even though that probably won't happen because netflix hates theaters i guess but whatever um yeah I will say one last thing on the Joker. It's weird that they've made me not excited for a a, a, a Phoenix movie, because um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. he's he's one of the best actors. Yeah. Period. So yeah. like after yeah. after we were never really here, and having De Niro play the same character that Jerry Lewis plays in King of Comedy is perfect. Just like mm-hmm. such a smart move. So we'll see. Like yeah. we're both gonna watch it. I'm probably gonna not gonna see it uh Thursday. Yeah. But uh we're not doing opening night. The worst people will be there. That is one yeah. thing that is true. Yeah. Uh people I, I, I still, don't yeah. wanna sit next to. So yeah. 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 I still wanna um, watch it this weekend to see it because it's playing just for a week in like uh IMAX 70 yeah. millimeter, which mm. yeah. I don't think it's gonna look that good, but I like just like if I can watch it in a better <laughs> situation, I will probably will go Tuesday because it's cheaper. Anyway, yeah, uh, let's yeah. do some plugs. Um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Easier. Uh, I've gone back to reviewing movies. I'm up to stuff I've been watching in Ju- I watched in the July, so 
I I'm gonna catch up to <laughs> more recent stuff, but it's, uh, it's still if you're if you want to hear my quick uh, Twitter thoughts on movies, go there. You can also follow me on Instagram at Isayer. Um That's it. Yeah, um, Phantom Zone. We are entering season four. Uh, it feels like it's uh, season fifteen or something. <laughs> <laughs> because of how consistently you know we put stuff out but yeah we're we're playing around with the format a little bit maybe getting away from tv a little bit more and uh doing some other stuff uh yeah true crime stuff and spooky stuff and more of a focus on news and uh just talking having fun um just trying to keep the show interesting for all of us because if it ever became boring, we would probably quit. So, yeah, hopefully that yeah. show as it continues to evolve. Yeah, hopefully uh, I can be on again at some point. I I like being on that show. Yeah, yeah, we we need to get better about asking. We're, just, <laughs> we're very we get yeah. into grooves and we're like, yeah. should we ask anybody? Yeah, probably. I, I don't know uh, if I can do your uh, like your more spooky stuff just because I'm not super into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, maybe. Eventually, you can bring some like Lebanese ghost stories. Um, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think we're all up for that. Well, <laughs> I think everybody would say yay. So, um, yeah, that could yeah. be something. Uh, yeah, um, I think that's the show. Um, yeah. Bye. Fuck the Aladdin remake. <laughs>